RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. I want to welcome Richard Gadam to the program. Richard is behind the website saveourplanes.co.nz, planes being P-L-A-I-N-S, protection of our fertile soils, specifically on the Herotonga Plains. And Richard joins me this morning on Reality Check Radio. Richard, thanks for coming on this morning. It's good to have you. It's a pleasure, Paul. Nice to hear from you. Now, okay, um, I've just described the website. What what was the motivation for setting this up, and and what other things have you been doing, just to set the scene? Um, uh, Well, the motivation really started because um, uh, I have a farm uh, right on the edge of Havelock North, on the the Havelock Hills, and... um, uh, for the last sort of 30 or 40 years, I've gone up those hills and worked the land and looked out over the plains, of course, and because uh, it's a wonderful view up there. And um, as the years progressed, um, it was obvious that urban sprawl was becoming a huge issue, mm. and uh, particularly from an um, elevated position. And um, so I would... Um, go to the council and say, you know, this is not good enough and we need to do something about this. And they'd say, yes, yes, you're quite right, Richard, yeah, and give me a cup of tea and a piece of cake. <laughs> and uh, and uh, get a bit of small talk going and then show me the door. And, of course, I got a bit fed up with this sort of behaviour, so um, I decided to form a group um, uh, to um, see if we can... Um, uh, attack this problem. So um, I, there's four of us in the group. There's a, um, there's a guy called John Bostock, who's a an organic grower, uh, in, uh, mainly in Hawke's Bay, but in New Zealand and uh, South Island as well. He's probably the biggest organic grower in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, and another guy called Paul Painter, and he's an orchard grower in the Hiratonga Plains. He's got sort of about 60-plus orchards on the plains. Yeah, we spoke uh, with Paul. And the, we spoke with Paul from the Yummy Fruit Company, right? That's the one, yeah. And, uh, and there's another guy called Mike Donnelly who um, in a past life was a city councillor. And, of course, he was on the council uh, when they were sort of in the middle of all this urban expansion over the plains, all over these fertile soils. And, of course... Um, he regretted voting for it and so has come back to sort of try and right some wrongs and uh, so anyway we're a formidable group and um, we've made some great headway we um, we set out by meeting with all um, three councils in the in the area that's the Hastings District Council the Napier City Council and the Hawke's Bay Regional Council and we lobbied them hard, and uh, it sort of, um, yeah, it started off as a sort of a slow progression to um, actually get some seriousness on the matter. Yeah, the yeah. problem. Sorry, carry on. The, yeah, carry on. The the problem really stemmed from um, a document that was set up by the Hastings District Council because the Hastings District Council sits right in the middle of these beautiful Heratonga Plains and uh, it's expanded 
quite exponentially over the years, covering all this lovely soil, some of the best soil in the world. And, of course, uh, a document was created in 2017 called uh, HBUDGE, which means... Um, uh, oh, goodness, it's falling out of my head. Heritama uh, Plains Urban Development Strategy. Mm-hmm. And in that uh, document, they um, set aside land for greenfield development. And um, a lot of land. And, of course, over the years, since 2017, a lot of that land now is in... Um, is now covered in concrete in Nashville. That is so sad. Uh, <laughs> sorry? I'm just saying, hearing you say that, uh, that is so sad. Oh, yes, it's tragic. I mean, it's destroyed forever. Yeah, some of the so, best, um, most fertile soil in the world is now covered in concrete. Concrete in Nashville, yeah. yeah. Never, never to be in food production again. Yeah. So, um, yes, a real tragedy. So, anyway, um, we were fighting hard uh, to protect what was left and um, tried desperately to get some legislation through to put some um, concrete uh, protection for what was left in the, on the plains uh, and, and also on the rest of New Zealand. So we worked with um, central government and... Um, uh, along came this uh, natural policy statement on highly productive land, which was released uh, in the uh, middle of September, and um, it was actually released in Hawke's Bay, which we think is um, quite significant. Uh, and then it became law in the middle of um, October last year. So we thought, goodness me, We've done amazing things, not only for Hawke's Bay, but for the whole of New Zealand. And um, we uh, were sitting back, feeling very chuffed with ourselves. And then uh, all of a sudden, um, we were hit by this um, announcement from National the other day that they're going to tear that document up. So as you can imagine, it was quite devastating to hear that news. So this whole push for using greenfields, what, for... Uh, I, I, I guess uh, what suburban or urban housing uh, does it actually need to be that way? Uh, are there other options? Because you know, there's always call for more housing. It, it's always been the story that the land is there; it's just not being unlocked. Given that you're talking about some of the most productive uh, soils around there, around the world, and in our country. And that um, you know we're a agricultural nation, and it's probably still our future. Are there other ways mm. of finding the land and achieving the housing and um, and suburban expansion, I guess, goals without doing this to the fertile soils in your area, but around the country? Are there other options? Yes, there are. I mean, of course, we are not familiar with the land areas around other towns and cities in New Zealand, but um, we're certainly very familiar with our own area here in Hawke's Bay. And, um, you know, people have said to us, you know, it's all very well for you to criticise councils and stop them from going into greenfield development on the fringes of 
the cities, but you've got to come up with alternatives, and we most certainly did. And uh, we came up with lots of alternatives to uh, give the um, councils options to build housing on unproductive land. And in fact, there is unproductive land on the Hiratonga Plains. Um, but as yet, this hasn't been taken up. Uh, maybe, um, maybe you know, now that National has uh, signaled signal that there's going to be some changes to the um, natural policy statement on the highly productive land that perhaps um, these councils might look at the alternatives we've suggested. I mean, there's one good thing, I guess, from this announcement is that um, Class 1 and Class 2 soils will be protected, but certainly Class 3 soils won't be. Could you just explain, uh, 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 Richard, could you just explain those classes quickly so we can get our heads around that? Well, Class 1 is uh, the best soil. Um, It's highly productive. Um, It's, you know, deep black soil, free draining, uh, and and class two is uh, similar, not quite as good, uh, may have a little bit of clay pan under it, and and those two soils take up about 5% of New Zealand's uh, land area. Um, and then class three soils, are, um, they take up about 9% of New Zealand's um, land area, and they have a quite a range of different types of soils in class three. Uh, still highly productive, but um, there's quite a wide range of the different types of soils in class three. Um, right. Yeah. So, so we're concerned that um, you know we are, as you said before, a nation of food growers and food exporters. Um, I, I, you know, I, well, I think we need to be a little bit mindful that um, we don't become a net importer of food, and um, that would be tragic not only um, for our country but also for future generations. I was under um, the impression. What, I, sorry, Richard. I was under the impression that you, you know, you, you talked about the National Party. I was under the impression that they were kind of the party for or traditionally, for rural New Zealand. So is there some sort of disconnect there? I mean, you've mentioned that the, the what, class one and two they're still engaged with in terms of the soil class, but um, mm. they they should, more than any party, historically understand the value of this, you'd think. Well, uh, yes, but successive governments and successive councils over the years have um, taken easy options and just sort of uh, just put a little bit more land on the fringe of a city into housing and then there's a need for more so a little bit more goes in and then the next year a little bit more go, needs, uh, the needs are there to you know expand the city so it just sort of it's like a slow cancerous creep that spreads out from a town or city and um you know, up until sort of recently, it's been uh, it's been like an unstoppable horse, really. I mean, just to give you some figures, if you could bear with me. Yeah, sure, go. Um, 
54% of the highly productive soils in New Zealand have been covered with concrete and asphalt between 2002 and 2019. That's in 17 years. 54%? So, yeah, 54% of the highly productive soils in New Zealand have been covered over. And only just um, very recently, like you've just pointed out, in recent yeah, times. Yeah, in, in, in 17 years between 2002 and 2019, that's 107,000 hectares or over 100,000 full-size rugby fields. <laughs> Crikey. Oh, dear. But, I mean, it's staggering. You know, and during this period, urban areas increased by 31% on land that was potentially available for agriculture. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're going to be a bit careful. And over the last 20 years, about 35,000 hectares of our highly productive land has been carved up for urban and residential development. Oh it just sounds like and there's no another... there's no thinking. There's just no thought going into this. I, I, I mean, I'm only hearing about this for the first time, and already I'm having alarm bells ringing because it's like draining the bank. Well, it's like killing the golden goose. Yeah, well, the, um, yeah. And, and, of course, it's at the moment it's quite severely wounded. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, we need to protect what's, uh, you know, what's um, so precious to us. I, I take it, though, that soil never goes away. <clears throat> Excuse me, it gets covered over. You can access it again, but who's going to go and rip up all the... Asphalt and concrete well, at any time, right? Well, well, yes, exactly. I mean, uh, it's been covered with not only urban areas but industrial areas too, and so no one's going to be ripping out houses and and um, uh, industrial areas to bring back the land. I mean, I do, I do get it. Um, National's policy, um, you know, there is a housing crisis. There was a housing crisis six years ago when the Labor government came into power and they said they were going to fix it and um, to date they've only done 1,700 houses. So there is a real issue out there for housing. And of course the uh, natural policy statement on urban development uh, basically said we must build up instead of out. But um, the 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 National Party has brought on this change because I think they've been swayed by the people in bigger cities, um, notably uh, Auckland and Christchurch, who actually refused to go along with this natural policy statement on urban development. Oh, okay. And yep. for, all sort, for all sorts of issues, um, you know, there have been sort of developers in Kangaroo have been buying up bits of land, hotspots throughout the cities and putting multi-storey buildings on small pieces of land uh, without too much consideration of the people around them. Yeah, that seems seems to be a lot of that lack of consideration. I don't know if you've thought about this, but it seems that we're going to experience quite a... uh, an immigration um, sort of spike over the next few years, is what people are talking about at the moment, and uh, we had an, an, an eminent economist on this program saying that uh, you know the 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 quiet bit in the budget was 
the um, need to pump GDP so we don't get to a recession and the way they are intending to do that is through bringing people into the country to expand the activity. Of course, it makes all the individuals Mm. slightly poorer. The point I'm getting to is that will put even more demand on housing. And do we want to sacrifice these these soils, these money-making, and you call them taonga, you, you call them a treasure. Do we want to sacrifice them for some... Um, temporary bump in GDP for p- a political gain. We don't, do we? Well, you know, it's a dilemma, okay, I guess, and um, for short-sighted people and short-sighted policies, they're willing to sacrifice this, um, this these special soils for, um, you know, uh, to give some growth to our country. Um yeah, but it's not real yeah. growth. It's 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 just inflation. It's just pumping up the tire a bit more. It doesn't actually mean actual growth. But we could argue that. So, what are you going to have to do? Are you going to talk, try and talk to the the national party, sort of kind of one on one, or do you think you might get the reaction that you got when you were in that councillor's office that you started um, started with? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> like a cup of tea and a biscuit, and see you later. Yeah, yeah, I guess they might fill us up with cake. I'm not sure, but um, we're hoping that we'll be able to work with the National Party if they come into power in October. Um, we um, we have a local um, National Party candidate who has been very active in our area. It's a girl called Catherine Wedd, who is um, hopefully going to turn... A uh, little tooky took area blue, along with Katie Newman turning Napier blue. Um, and um, Kathy's, she was on. She's been on this journey with us. She's been part of our group all these, these last sort of three or four years. So she's passionate about what we're on about too. So she um, is hoping that we can or she can, uh, along with us persuade the National Party to sort of um, give some exemptions to specific areas where the fertile soils are special. So anyway, we can only hope that that might happen. Um, uh, you know, it's not a given, that's for sure. Yeah. And, you know, with the history that they, they say that they want to build houses and, and they kind of never do. <laughs> so so maybe that will be... Yeah be a silver lining all right so let's uh, just yeah. let, that, that's really interesting and good luck to you and um I, I suggest people go and visit the website that's a lovely picture on the front page by the way beautiful picture yeah 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 um yeah no it, uh, it's a special area this and of course we um produce uh i forget what the percentage is but it's massive amount of food for export in compare, comparison to other parts of New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a travesty what's happened in South Auckland with all that beautiful soil. The, the vegetable growing <coughs> land there, it's all been covered over. It's just an absolute travesty. And, oh. of course, it's happening in other areas like Nelson and Christchurch as well. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, at, at least they've got Rainbow's End. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, let's just um, let's just pivot on to something else that interests you, and we're interested to get your views on this as well because we've talked about it already on the program, and that is civil defence. We all know the criticisms that have been coming since Cyclone Gabriel um, dumped all that uh, that 
well, disaster really on um, the Esk Valley, those areas. And there, uh, there has been a lot of criticism of civil defence uh, reaction and uh, management of that disaster aftermath. Now, you have yeah. some thoughts on the structuring of civil defence. You have been involved in it. So what do you say about that? Uh, well, about uh, in April 2011, I live at a, a, a coastal area called Waimana, and uh, it's a beautiful area. We have a, uh, quite a community out here, and we have about probably about 400 permanent people, and it can swell to about 5,000 in the summer. It's a beautiful white sandy beach, and we have a lovely climate here. Um, in 2011, April 2011, we had a horrendous uh, flood here, and it devastated the area. Um, absolutely devastated the area, and um, and so I've been um, running the civil defence here at Waimarama ever since. So the civil defence here sort of morphed from that event, and um, so it's been. I've been involved with civil defence here for uh, what's it about twelve, twelve, thirteen years, I suppose. Um, and so have um, done a lot for our community to make it more resilient and safe in the event of any natural disaster. Uh, we, um, at the time, civil defence was under the umbrella of the Hastings District Council, and um, it was run really well. And we had um, we created a whole lot of uh, uh, community little groups, little hubs throughout Hawke's Bay um, that ran their own civil defence operations in their own particular little community. And it was really good. There was probably around about 15, 12 or 15 groups, I suppose. And we would meet every month and we would talk about different scenarios and how to cope with any sort of disaster and how, how we could help each other. And um, it was a really tight-bonded, uh, efficient and progressive group. Um, so we were um, felt that we were sort of getting ourselves prepared for sort of anything. And then there was a change whereby the regional council took over the civil defence from the Hastings District Council. And when that happened, uh, they dismantled all the community civil defence groups. They just... Um, they, they said that we don't want you anymore. We're going to run civil defence from a, uh, a centre in Hastings, uh, and this is the way it's going to be run. And of course, I stood up and I said, "There's no way I'm doing that. We're going to hang on to our civil defence area out here in Waimarama." So I've been a, a, probably a little bit of a rebel, I suppose, and um, in the eyes of some in uh, the Hawke's Bay Regional Council. Then, of course, this um, huge event came along where this woman, Gabriel, came down and and smashed into the east coast of the North Island. And um, people talk about the East Valley, but it's not just the East Valley. It's a whole swathe of areas. And, and of course, this um, civil defence centre, which was made up of just a small group of people, um, couldn't cope, and it was 
doomed to fail. It was doomed to fail from the beginning. Did you know, Richard, did you um, know that it would fail? Um, did you know, you know, as as they were sort of trying to centralise everything, you, you, you were thinking, yeah, this ain't going to work, just you wait. Is that what you were thinking? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, of course, it didn't work. I mean, how could you expect a small group of uh, 8 or 10 or 12 people centred in Hastings to be able to reach out and cope with... Uh, you know, looking after people all throughout the whole of Hawke's Bay. Is that why we? Right down to, is that why we haven't been? I will right down to Central Hawke's Bay. I mean, yeah. it's just an impossible task. Is that why we haven't heard much from them? Was, is that why we haven't heard much from them? <laughs> uh, well, this is particularly. You know, it was particularly bad because we had no communications. No one could talk to anybody. Uh, after the 2011 event that we had here, we were given a sat phone uh, because we were cut off for quite some time. And when we, when the regional council took over, they took our sat phone away. I mean, and then they tried to come along. They came along and they tried to take all our gear away. We, we, um, wait, we wait on fundraise what, for a wait, wait, wait on. This sounds crazy. It sounds like they were purposefully, completely. In a, in a sort of like quite aggressive way, by the way you're describing it, sort of pulling it to pieces, taking you apart. Why would they have wanted to exactly. do that? What was the yeah, motivation for that? Oh, they had a thought that they could run it better from a centralised centralized structure. So... Um, yeah, but com- uh, common sense... When they, when com- they had, when com- they had the... Um, when they had the vote in the regional council, uh, the vote eight to one, only one opposed. And, of course, the one that opposed is still in the regional council. And, of course, he's saying, no, well, I told you so. And um, at the time, you know, we voiced our concerns. I mean, it was just like, it was awful. Um, you know, they came out here and uh, we fundraised for a whole lot of gear to make us more resilient, including a, a four-wheel drive vehicle, a double cab vehicle, and they wanted to take that away. <laughs> what? I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, it was just bizarre, absolutely bizarre. The thing is, Richard, you describing that, I think anyone listening with any common sense from the very moment you started describing this is thinking, how dumb can you be? I think Cam Slater's got a a saying, dumb as a bag of hammers. That's what it sounds like. And then you've got your regional councillors lining up, supporting it. What are they on? What were they on? Exactly. Exactly. So since the the cyclone event, I've been pushing hard for communities to uh, resurrect themselves as we had before and um, align themselves with um, a whole lot of gear to um, make them more resilient, you know, like uh, communications, a big thing. Um, uh, generators is another one. Um, you know, set up sort of food areas, um, areas where people can go and, and get um, essential supplies. Um, but the main thing is just to have a central structure that the communities can go to for help. And where where those communities can then talk to a central structure in say Hastings, 
um, and say, well, this is what we need. Um, and, you know, I mean, it would have worked so much better. We could have even saved more lives. Well, that's the thing. But that is when the you thing. Hear some of the harrow- when you hear of some of the harrowing stories that have come out in the aftermath of the cyclone, it's a wonder we didn't have more deaths. I mean, it's just horrific, some of the stories that we hear. So, so um, what do you expect to come from yeah. this, Richard? We've got to um, sort of uh, end up, uh, um, we, we've got to wind it up. What do you expect to come from this? Do you think people have seen the light now? Are you expecting it to kind of revert back after they've gone through their inquiries uh, and their analysis back to your um, the, the concept that you yeah. had and, and that you were operating? <laughs> well, you know, these things take time with... Um, to uh, get sort of organised and cemented in. Um, uh, I don't know. There is an initiative to um, uh, get these community um, groups going again. Uh, just how quickly it can be done, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm pushing it as hard as I can because, you know, another event could happen happen today or tomorrow and we're yeah. still caught with our pants down. And, uh, you know, these... The trouble is that things take so long to get cracking, whereas I'm I'm sort of a character that likes to get stuck in and get things done quickly. Yeah, know what you mean. But uh, yeah, it's so frustrating, uh, Paul. Very yeah. frustrating. I can hear it in your voice. I can hear it in your voice, Richard. Thanks for joining us on Reality Check Radio. Really interesting to hear about the soils. Good luck with that, and fascinating to get, um, you know, that. Uh, well, it's a story really of of uh, how we got to, uh, particularly for the folks in Hawke's Bay in this case, to that situation where that that aftermath, that disaster was not dealt with uh, in any way well from what we've heard. And it sounds to me, and I think to any common sense thinking person, that uh, it's obvious that if it was the other way, um, it, it would have been a whole lot different, potentially. Yeah, well, I mean, um, it'd be really good to get some feedback on not only um, the civil defence issue, um, because, uh, you know, I think it's really important that we get back to where and as quickly as possible, but also, um, you know, um, the protection of our soils, I believe, is, um, and our group believes, is, high, is, is very important. I mean, we, we're not going to get these beautiful soils back if we're just going to keep on destroying them. I mean, it's a travesty what's happened so far. Richard Gadam from saveourplanes.co.nz. Thank you for being with us on Reality Check Radio um, this morning. And we'll keep, an eye, we'll keep an eye on both those things, and we'll probably have you back sometime updating us. How about that? That'll be great, Paul. Thanks so much. Thanks for the opportunity. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.